Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Well, hello. Here we are again today with our Women in Electronics Leader in Highlight Radio program. I am so honored today to have a guest on our program, Bruce Keller, who has been somebody that I have admired, respected, and and looked to as a mentor type of person in the industry for so long, whether he knew it or not. But anyway, with that, Bruce Keller, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce yourself, your company, and your title. Hi, I'm, uh, thanks, Jackie. I really appreciate it. It's going to be nice to spend some time with you. I'm Bruce Keller, Senior Vice President of, uh, Sager, of Sales for Sager Electronics. Well, I have so much to talk to you about today, Bruce. So thank you for joining us. I know you're very busy. So let's just get into it. Um, you have had a career in the industry for many years. So why don't you just tell us about that? How did you wind up in the electronic component industry? And a little bit of what has your journey been to get to the point you are now? Okay, well, probably a little different than some of the people you've spoken to in that uh, I actually started in the warehouse in this industry. Many years ago, I had a family friend that uh, was involved in electronics distribution, which was still a very, fairly new business at that point. And uh, in talking to him, he said, hey, I think this thing's going to have wings. I think the uh, technology is going to continue to grow. I think this is going to be a good industry to uh, get into. And I can probably get you in and get you started. But the only positions we have open right now is, you know, starting in the warehouse. And uh, so that's what I did. I went and applied and started in the warehouse and uh, it ended up being a really good move because I think I learned an awful lot about the business, understanding, you know, certainly how the warehouse worked, seeing the components, et cetera. And, you know, he was right. It was a good place to be because at the time the industry was growing very rapidly. So it allowed me really to start at the ground level, start in the warehouse. I then progressed to customer service, inside sales, field sales, ended up becoming the general manager of the location. And again, I think that was great training at that time because uh, in those days when you're a general manager, you were really responsible for all facets of the business. Uh, You were responsible for the warehouse, the inventory, the credit decisions, the sales team, everything. It was kind of like running your own business. You had your own profit and loss, et cetera. So I think it gave me a, a, a good experience in learning the business and all facets of the business you know, in one location there and then progressed uh, as the as the company grew. We had multiple locations. I ended up becoming vice president of sales for the entire corporation. It was a regional distributor at the time and, and really enjoyed the career uh, during the uh, during the growth of the company. Again, it was in the earlier days of distribution, a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Our company was actually acquired five times in the 18 years I was there. Uh, which was interesting process to go through too. But every acquisition gave us more resources. It was a good place to be. Uh, During the fifth acquisition, I um, wasn't real sure I wanted to stay on with the company that was looking at buying us. And at that time, a couple of suppliers uh, approached me and said, hey, are you going to stay here through this acquisition? What do you think you're going to do? And I said, you know, I'm really not sure. And so a couple of them said, hey, can I introduce you to uh, a company called Sager Electronics? At the time, Sager... I had no presence past Texas. They had no presence in the West. And I think they knew that uh, 
This was in the mid nineties. They knew that if they were going to, you know, establish uh, themselves and continue to grow, they needed to establish a national presence. So I met with Ray Norton and Frank Flynn. They were looking to move out West and decided to join Sager in 1996. Started by myself out here in a 10 by 10 room. Uh, my job was to kind of create a presence for them in the Southwest. And it ended up working out pretty well. It took off pretty well. We uh, grew. I ended up taking over the entire West. We established a business plan to grow our business and uh, I think made a pretty big splash pretty quickly. And within three years, we were able to make an acquisition of our major competitor out here, a company called CalSwitch, some people may remember. So we opened in 96, grew pretty extensively, ended up acquiring uh, CalSwitch in 1996. As things continued to grow, kind of expanded my responsibilities from a geographic standpoint, took over Texas and then the Midwest. And in the 2009, ended up taking over sales for the entire corporation. Uh, and then in 2016, became senior vice president of sales uh, with responsibility for all sales for Sager across the country. So that's that's kind of where I started and where I am today. Wow, that's amazing, Bruce. A lot in that process, I'm sure too. Um, I do remember CalSwitch. Uh, <laughs> and really, going back to, you said that the company was acquired five times in 18 years. So that's a lot of change. Um, that's a lot of regrouping, re-getting used to things, uh, teams changing, leadership changes, all kinds of changes. So that leads me into something I wanted to talk to you about um, as far as leadership goes and working with the people that you have uh, for now, for the purpose of this conversation, maybe we'll focus on women in leadership. So where you are now compared to where you started, are you seeing that there's as many female leaders? Are there less? Or what is your perspective in women in leadership at this state in our industry? Well, cer certainly from when I started, more, considerably more. Um, and I think that's a great thing. I think the biggest changes, quite honestly, are just uh, as, a, as the industry has matured and grown, it used to be more male dominated, I would say specifically in the management side of things. I called on during my career buyers, quite a few that were female, but it took a while be before you know that maturation process occurred where you start seeing women purchasing managers, uh, women uh, uh, production managers, et cetera. And it was nice to see that uh, evolution. The area I would say also that uh, didn't really have too many women involved was engineering. And I think all the work that's been done in robotics, STEM, reaching, you know, uh, um, young girls along with the young boys and having them show an interest in the engineering side. It's been great to see what's happened from a standpoint of everyone getting involved in that business. Well, that's a really good point. And as far as you, I know you in particular, I think you're the type of leader who just looks at the best person for the job. So I think you've always probably been a little more diverse minded in your leadership style. I don't know that that's always been the case with all the leaders, but in your case, I think it is. So maybe comment a little on that because you've obviously managed women and men. Do you see that there's certain barriers that women might face that men don't? Well, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, you bring this up and I start reflecting back on the career and the changes I've made. And, you know, when I joined Sager in 1996, as I said, I started by myself in an office in a 10 by 10 room. And, you know, I knew this company had a lot invested to get this thing going, right? I thought, well, I better, I better make something happen here for Ray and Frank and the Sager team and 
They've given me a big responsibility here, so I better make sure I hire the right people, right? And uh, it just coincidentally, the first two employees I hired here were both female. <laughs> and I could say it was a gender thing, but it really wasn't. I needed to get the best team on board that was going to put us on the map, you know, in the quickest manner. So I went out and said, okay, I need right away a field salesperson, start building that team, an inside salesperson, because I've got to get out and get this thing running. And the best two people I had worked with and the best two people I knew in the field and inside at the time both happened to be women. And I was fortunate enough to have them leave the company they were with, which was a fairly large company, and join me in this endeavor. And uh, so I could say it was planned, but really it was a little bit of self-preservation. I wanted the best team and they happened to be the best team. And, you know, I, I, I will say I feel very good about that because it's 25 years later and they both still work here. One has uh, gotten into management still with the company. The other didn't uh, aspire to get into management, but still with us and doing a great job 25 years uh, later. And as I grew the business, really, to your point, Jackie, I just looked for the best people. And my management team, as I grew the West, was really about 50-50. Having said that, I do definitely think there are challenges uh, women have had. I mean, I, I remember, uh, and things just sober you up, you know, and, and you uh, you realize some of the things that I think, I think you've used the term, everyone has certain biases, maybe that they don't even realize they have. And I can remember calling on a buyer that was very, very sharp. And her husband was in this industry. And uh, I walked in and she was one of the sharpest buyers I called on. And she was agitated one day. And I, you know, we started talking about what was wrong. And, you know, it was their review time. And uh, she had a great review, but from a financial standpoint, you know, wasn't so good. And she was talking to her peers. And when she went to her boss and said, hey, you know, I'm working hard. I've done a good job. What's the deal? And again, this was long, long ago. His response was, well, we both know your husband has a good job, right? Mm. And I thought, wow, <laughs> wrong answer, you know, right. what her husband does or doesn't. But that was, uh, again, a lot of times passed, and thank goodness things have, things have progressed since then. But some of those things were a little bit sobering when you sit back and think about them. And I know in talking to you, we've discussed being in meetings, and I got a pretty uh, start as a pretty young man in this business. And I can remember being somewhat uncomfortable in some of the larger meetings in that I was one of the youngest people in the meeting. So I tended to really think I better prepare. Should I say this? Should I not say this? Should I be out of, would I be out of line to say this more due to my age than anything? And I know in some of the discussions that you and I have had, you said, hey, you know, if there's 10 people in a room and two are women, they have some of those same feelings. And so I think being aware of these things and I think there's a bigger awareness of that in the industry. And again, some of the things that have occurred with people getting the education, coming through STEM, those things, I, I I see it escalating and hopefully parity will continue there. Well, thank you, Bruce. And thank you for being a part of this discussion, because I think how we approach it at Women in Electronics is, is there's no blame game going on. There, there really are some facts and data to support that women still have a long way to go. But really, all of us uniting together, men and women, acknowledging our own conscious unconscious bias all of us together i think is really the key it's just having the conversations and and doing all of our parts to to reach parity because the bottom line is impacted so much and that Im affects everybody so really on that note though do you feel aside from women men do you feel that men at this day and age face certain challenges that we don't think about 
Well, I think some of the challenges that that, that we all face today uh, from the time I got in this industry, I tell a lot of people I was just very fortunate to get in this industry at a young age and the growth that was occurring at the time provided a tremendous amount of opportunity. If you were a hard worker and you aspired to get ahead and you did a good job, there was usually, you know, a place for you to excel and, and to progress and get ahead. I think the one thing that has affected us all a little bit is the maturation of the industry. It's, it's a much more mature industry uh, than it was in the past. The growth rate is not as strong as it was maybe, you know, in the beginnings, in the late 80s, early 90s, etc. A lot of the mergers and consolidations. So I do think that uh, the ability to progress is probably, uh, the, the timeline on progression is probably been lengthened a little bit just due to the fact that the growth rate isn't there and there's not as many positions as there once were. Yeah, so I think this is a critical point. So we all have to come together to think of more creative solutions moving forward, not just relying on what we did in the past, right? To look forward at how, what is the new way of doing business? How are we doing this? And how are we going to be quick on our feet to make all these changes? I think is going to be really key uh, moving forward in the industry. But Moving beyond that, I wanted to ask you also, so we had talked about mentorship. Um, There's all different kinds of mentorship. There's formal, informal, and I actually believe indirect. So you were one of those indirect role models for me or mentors because I worked with you when I was a rep and I always just admired the way you led your team. I liked the energy of your office. And I thought that because the leader was bringing that to the table, there was just an excitement there. I know I thrived with your team. So first of all, thank you for that, Bruce. But because you are somebody who is probably like the, just that natural motivator and just a really good, solid leader, very naturally, what advice would you have to some of our talent in the industry that are trying to rise up um, to seek those next positions and to have that career in the industry? What What are some of your perspectives from your seat with all the experience you've had in the industry? Well, I would say, first of all, thanks for the kind words. I always enjoyed working with you and your team as well. And, you know, you talk about mentors. Certainly, I looked at the guy that owned the company you worked for at the time as one of my mentors. And it's been wonderful to keep the relationship all these years. So uh, advice on the rising talent. You know, I just think there's so much there, really. Um, You know, one is be driven, but be patient. Everything doesn't happen overnight, right? And I also think uh, have the right attitude and uh, seek out opportunities to learn constantly. And the other thing I said is, uh, you know, avoid shortcuts. I know coming up through my career, I saw a lot of people getting ahead and doing things that I thought, wow, they're really, they're really making their way pretty quickly. But I, I really think laying a solid foundation is a big part of this. You know, there's a saying. Uh, no bird soars too high if he soars on his own wings. And so some of the things I thought is, you know, I want to develop a solid foundation. I want to understand as much about this business as I can. And I would suggest that to anyone. Try and try and build that solid foundation. Stick to your principles. Uh, try and get involved in things that maybe take you out of your comfort zone. That was always something that was a little bit difficult for me. But if you're willing to take the next challenge and get in, get involved in things that are outside of your comfort zone, It's going to expose you. You're going to learn from it. You're probably going to have a chance to network a little bit more. And uh, many times the opportunities where you get out of your comfort zone and allow you to network or get involved in things you're not comfortable with are going to attribute to the building blocks that are going to get you where you want to go uh, long term. I would say the other thing is understand your strengths and weaknesses. That's something that's difficult for a lot of us. Action, 
actuate your strengths, try and build upon your strengths, but don't be afraid of your weaknesses. Surround yourself with people and try and become better at your weaknesses. And again, involve people that can help you from that standpoint. There's nothing wrong with that. And then I think the other thing is learn to listen. Uh, that was something, too, that, uh, you know, you have two ears and one mouth. And uh, when you listen, you learn, and that helps you build a career. And then the other thing I always tried to do in managing is uh, I tried to never ask others to do anything I wouldn't do myself. And, again, I think that tries to build to that solid foundation of building a following that people know that you do care about them. You're not going to ask them to do something you wouldn't do. And again, if you just lay out and you have the right mentors and you make them aware that you want to get ahead and you're willing to learn, I think that's what gets you there. I love those points, Bruce, because your final point was make a plan, basically. Let people know where you want to go, share that information. You were talking about not being afraid of your weaknesses, surrounding yourself with people who can complement where you have a weakness, they have a strength. I love all the input that you had to give. I think it's very credible and valuable. Um, But I wanted to ask you as well for, at this point, you've been with Sager for a long time. What what are some of the advantages Sager has in the market? And and why Sager still after all this time? Well, you know, it's funny and it sounds trite, but it it is all about the people. I know that, uh, you know, Paul Andrews and the TTI family of companies talks about people and parts. And I, I really, really think it's true. It started when I joined the company 25 years ago with a guy named Ray Norton. Uh, Ray was just really a people person, a great person. The company had been in his family for over 100 years. Our company started in 1887. And he really valued his employees uh, and valued your opinion on how to grow the business and really look to say, how do we grow this business? And your input was important. And the way he supported you made you want to give back to the company and to your teammates. And, you know, it's funny because as things progressed and TTI acquired us in 2012, uh, I really think we hit the jackpot there as well Mm -hmm. because we knew TTI as a competitor and had tremendous, tremendous respect for TTI as a competitor and just the way they went to market, their long-term view and the way they did things. In fact, uh, when the company was sold, Ray Norton sat us down, some of us in management, and said, hey, look, I've decided to sell the company. We're selling to TTI The reason I'm selling to TTI is twofold. Number one, with the financial resources, I think they can actually give you a better future than I can. Mm. And I really respected his decision there. The other thing he said is I've been approached by a number of people that would like to buy the company, but I wouldn't sell to any of them. Uh, You know, Paul Andrews and the TTI family of companies is the right company. Their values are similar, the way they value their employees, the way they value their customers, and the approach they take to business. I'm very, very comfortable and think they can actually provide a better future for you guys than I. And I thought, and it's turned out to be exactly that way. Uh, We're nimble enough that, you know, we know what we're doing. We know how to attack the market. But with uh, being acquired by TTI, it's given us the financial resources to do the things we need to do. And TTI, I think I heard your interview with uh, Don Avery where he said, we're publicly held but privately run. And those words were not lost on me because he was very, very accurate. We're encouraged to make long-term business decisions and the right business decision versus the short-term business decision. And that's very important to me. The company has high morals, high ethics, and I enjoy being a part of it. And, uh, you know, the other part of it is there's a tremendous number of mentors that work here, right? We talk about the strengths and weaknesses. You know, there's people within Sager and also within TTI that I lean on on a daily basis to, Mm -hmm. to try and continue to learn. But 
again, it's just been great TTI's attitude. The way they go to market just dovetails with who we are at Sager. I think we're focused, as you know, on growing our power and thermal business. And they've given us the financial resources and support to get that done. And it, it's it's been a pleasure. It really has. Well, Bruce, I appreciate that. And to tell you the truth, I mean, we, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but because there's so much more I want to talk to you, this is part one, but I think we're going to have to add a part two because there's more <laughs> that I want to talk to you about. So we will wrap up this session, but very, very much appreciated for you to take the time to be here. And I'm going to hit you up for part two because there's a few more things we didn't get to that I definitely want to get to with you. So let's just to be continued. Bruce Keller, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Jackie. I really appreciate what you're doing. You're making a big difference to an awful lot of people in the industry. So keep up the great work. Thank you. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.